He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And fellas, we're back. It feels like we haven't talked to each other in a couple weeks. T-Dub, I know that you had teaching to do while we had our Victor Hovland interview last week. And uh, by the way, that was a great interview that Javi gave us. If you haven't heard it yet, go back and check that out. A lot of great interaction from that interview as well as he leads up to the Ryder Cup in Rome. And we'll see Javi in action this week at the BMW PGA Championship, fellas. Um, but T-Dub, how have the last couple weeks been? Not a whole lot of golf, but it's that time of the year where we have this big break between the Tour Championship and the uh, Ryder Cup. Yeah, you go essentially eight months in a row of straight golf action. And then all of a sudden, you get football that comes around, so that kind of distracts away from it, so that's good. But you're absolutely right. Now that we're kind of in this hiatus with obviously the Ryder Cup being the main focal point at this stage of the game, there's a, there's a lot riding on it, especially this coming up week at the PGA, BMW PGA Championship and even at the, at the Fortnite Championship with Max Toma and Justin Thomas playing there as well, Woody. So even though it's a little bit of hiatus, we still get a little bit of decent golf for sure. Well, I hope you're uh, learning how to be a wonderful teacher because we need good teachers, T-Dub. I'm starting to question there's no the doubt about that one. system, and I'm, I'm pulling for you, dude, because I think you'll make a great teacher. Just so you know, when Sam and I were having our little – what we call technical event where I couldn't get to interview Avi. I was going dove hunting and I want you guys to know and all the uh, animal rights activists out there that well, don't like me because I hunt. That's okay because I think most of the dove that flew by me are still going to Mexico. So don't worry about that. Okay. <laughs> so nobody's going to be really mad at me for that. So it's kind of been nice to have football. I'm like you guys. I, I'm, I'm excited to get golf going again, but like you guys, I'm excited for the Ryder Cup. <laughs> All these tournaments we're playing these next couple of weeks, I don't care. I, I'm, re- I'm ready for the Ryder Cup. No doubt about it. I think we all are at Marco Simone Golf Club in Rome coming up at the end of September. We'll talk Ryder Cup in a second, fellas, but now that the PGA Tour season is over, obviously we'll have our BMW PGA Championship preview later on for the DP World Tour in this show. Um, but let's talk about this PGA Tour slash live season and live not over yet either, but it's a good time of the year. We have this break here where we can talk about some of the end of the year awards. And I read this article on ESPN last week and it basically went through player of the year, breakout player of the year, rookie of the year, comeback player of the year, biggest surprise, best finish. Uh, so I, I was going to get your guys' thoughts on what this article said, and I'll start it off the top with player of the year. They had John Rahm, who 
won four times by April, really six times if you count the DP World Tour as well. Won the Masters, but then cooled off a little bit, fellas. And I think that Javi said something later in the year, winning the Memorial and the BMW and the Tour Championship and had really solid top 10 finishes in the majors as well. Um, But I have no problem giving the player of the year to John Rahm. T.W., do you have any thoughts on player of the year? I agree with the article. I think that John Rahm was the player of the year. The deciding factor really being a major championship he got at Augusta. Because you look at, you want to not have the recency bias effect whenever you look at what's supposed to encompass the entire season. So I go back and I look at what John Rahm did at the start of the year. And he was not only playing some of the best golf of anyone in the world, he's playing some of the best golf of all time during that stretch. Analytically, I believe it was the third or fourth best stretch of golf that we had ever seen since back in 1995 or something like that. So it's been a decent while since we'd seen, really since Tiger in all honesty, we'd seen golf that great. And it was really beautiful stuff. Obviously cooled off as the year went along. Really his drivers will let him down. When you look at John Rahman, you think of one thing in his game that would never go away. You'd pick the driver. But it's what, what happened. And he kind of saw a little bit of it in the Riviera. He kind of lost a little bit of it on the weekend, but it still was so good in all the other areas he was able to, to make up for it. And, and Hovland, you can't you can't shortchange what he's done this year, especially the end, winning his three out of his last, what was that, eight or nine events, winning the Memorial at Jack's Place, probably the biggest tournament besides the majors and the Players' Championship in the world. So very prestigious win there. His first win in the continental United States as a professional. So that is also something. The back nine that he had at the BMW Championship uh, at Olympia Fields was one of the best nine-hole stretches you'll ever see. So they, And then – the Tour Championship, but winning that, unfortunately, you have the, the fact of you got people starting at random under par, which is just an absolute joke, so it takes away a lot from it. But you look back on how he did at the start of the year, the way I see it is, Javi kind of started his year the way John Rahm ended his year. And so you just flip-flop them, so they're pretty even years, Woody, but I think the major, for me, is the deciding factor. Yeah, if Hoblin wins the PGA, if he happens to catch Kepka and Kepka doesn't win, you might have to go with Javi. If you if you look at just sheer unbelievable ball striking, we talk about Scheffler. He just didn't turn it into any wins. He putts any good at all, and we'd be probably talking about him. But that's the thing. When you talk about 12 months, it's really hard, unless your name's Tiger Woods, to play really good for 12 months. Uh, all these guys have streaks. And because Rom has the major, which you just said, D.W., I think that was the right call. No doubt. And anytime we talk player of the year in 2023, Scheffler's name has to come up because he had such a great year, but the putting let him down, fellas. And I go back to this stat with Scheffler. In 2023, he would have had 21 events, six wins, five runner-ups, and would have finished top 10 in all 21 of those events, fellas, if he just putted field average in every single tournament that he played in. But unfortunately, He's what, the 250th ranked player on data golf strokes gained putting in 2023. And so it was an unbelievable ball striking year that we haven't seen since Tiger, but the putting let Scotty Scheffler down. That's why I thought it was down to Rom or Hovland. If you want to go recency bias, go Hovland, but I have no problem whatsoever going with John Rom on player of the year. The next award they gave out here in this ESPN article was Breakout Player of the Year, and they gave it to a former Cowboy, Wyndham Clark, uh, who was 313th in the official World Golf Ranking 
in late May 2022. You know, he missed 24 cuts over the past two seasons, and then he goes on to win the U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club this year. Walked in spot on the Ryder Cup. He's playing the best golf of his career by far. I have no problem giving it to Wyndham Clark. Some honorable mentions, obviously Brian Harmon winning the Open Championship. You could kind of say breakout player of the year with Hovland a little bit as well, Um, but we already knew Javi was great, and he kind of went to elite uh, late in this season, but I have no problem giving it to Wyndham Clark, T-Dub. I think they're pretty spot on with that as well. 100%. I don't really even see another name that you would consider, and like you said, some of the other names listed off there, but yeah, like you said, Brian Harmon's been on the PGA Tour for what, two decades now almost, and then and then Hovland, he's been a, a top whatever player, a top elite player, won the USA, and we knew exactly what he was going to do. And you look at all the names analytically inside the top 25, really the one that sticks out is Wyndham Clark is someone who's not a household name by a lot of, of, of metrics. I remember in the one-and-done Woody picking Wyndham Clark at an opposite field event in March, and then all of a sudden he wins the U.S. Open a couple months later. So that doesn't say it's uh, uh, you're rising from the bottom to the top. I don't know what is. Again, we when we talk about these deals, it's hard. How do you not pick a guy for a breakout player of the year that wins a major? I mean, I know Harmon, but like you said, Harmon's been out there a lot of years. If if we had to look at every golfer out there, um, yeah, I don't, I I don't even think this one was close. It's Wyndham Clark by far. No doubt. And let's not forget about the elevated event he won at the Wells Fargo on May 7th, too. I mean, staring down Xander Shoffley uh, and getting the win there as well. That was big time. Um, Comeback player of the year here. They had another former Cowboy, Ricky Fowler. In June of 2022, Fowler was the first alternate for the U.S. Open at the Country Club in Brookline. Um, he didn't get in the field. You know, 10 days later, it says here, Fowler fell to 152nd in the world, the first time outside the top 150 in more than 12 years for Ricky. And he comes back and makes the Ryder Cup team, had a great 2023. I have no problem with Ricky Fowler being the comeback player of the year. Some honorable mentions just off the top of my head, fellas. I would go maybe Lucas Glover or, you know, thinking outside the box a little bit, I might go Bryson DeChambeau shooting the 58 after the depths that he was in. But I have no problem whatsoever giving it to Ricky Fowler. Absolutely not. No, as you mentioned, he wasn't even in a lot of major championships just uh, the last couple of years. And now all of a sudden is on the Ryder Cup team and is a top 15 player analytically. So, yeah, absolutely he is. You could go with maybe like the McKeegan Bradley. Had he been picked for the Ryder Cup team, he could have been up there as well because he's uh, ever since he got rid of the long putter, he's kind of been searching for that. Been a great player throughout that entire time. And then your great point about Bryson, I feel like that he should be considered in that as well because he was way down there. He was outside of the top 100 players analytically and then, all of a sudden, now he's in the top 30, and in my opinion, it's kind of a, a travesty that he's not at the Ryder Cup, because I guarantee you he's a top 12 American player at this moment, or at least from what we've seen over the last month. So, and then, like I said, Luke Clover as well. So, yeah, there's a couple guys that you could pick, but definitely Ricky Fowler has to be the name that sticks out above them all. With. Again, I think this was a no-brainer, because I'm with you guys on what the other names. I, I agree, but if you look at how well Fowler's played for almost 12 months, I mean, he he made that kind of turnaround. But we, Sam, you and I, predicted he'd win this year, and luckily he, did, he got that one victory. So we looked like we knew what we were talking about. But he he had pretty much a solid twelve months. That's why he's no doubt the comeback player of the year. 
No doubt about it. Let's go rookie of the year here. This ESPN article has Eric Cole as the rookie of the year. It says in 2021, Cole captured the minor league golf tour championship for the second time and walked away with $10,000. He won 54 times on the MLGT and other mini tours before finally breaking through on the Corn Ferry last year. And, you know, 35-year-old PGA Tour rookie had eight top 10 finishes and 17 top 25s and 24 starts. Uh, he lost to Chris Kirk, remember, at the playoff at the Honda and tied for 27th at the players, fellas. I have no problem with Eric Cole. Some other names that just off the top of my head completely, I don't have their stats right in front of me, but Austin Eckroat, you know, I know at the U.S. Open shot the historic round, the 29 on the back nine at the U.S. Open in that final round, and uh, Taylor Montgomery, I know, was up there a lot this year as well as a PGA Tour rookie. Do you know any other names up there, T-Dub, that I might be missing? out on I I have no problem with Eric Cole either that's a great story he's a 35 year old PGA Tour rookie yeah I think at the end of the day you would have to give it to him when you look at all Vincent Norman won a tournament so maybe he would be considering there Sam Stevens also another local guy made it through to the first FedEx Cup event so that was a great finish there as well you have some other guys on the who were uh, on the European side you have like a Thomas Dietrich and even a Nikolai Hoygaard and Ryan Fox Nikolai Hoygaard was a captain's pick he's going to be at the Ryder Cup coming up and then another guy that you could pick for a rookie, Woody, is Lovett Aper, because he yep. technically was a rookie. He didn't get many starts, yep. but he could be on that list as yep. well. So maybe He'll that's another one that next year, right? Yeah. Won't he count as yeah. a rookie next year? Uh, Good yeah, question. I think I, you're right. I think you're right on that, Sam, because he didn't have full tour privileges. I think it's funny that that Eric Cole really rallied, because Taylor Montgomery, I thought, had a lock on that rookie of the year, and then he just had a bad second half of the year. He just kind of he fell by the wayside. I think what's iconic about that in a way, though, when we say a 35-year-old rookie, we're going to see this more and more, guys, because the tour is getting more and more closed out. Okay? By that, I mean it's going to be harder and harder to get to the tour and harder and harder to fall off the tour. You're going to really have to play some bad golf because between elevated events and these purses as high as they are, there's going to be less and less guys getting out on that tour. They're going to have to be a Ludwig Aberg. They're going to have to be a uh, Victor Hovland. They're going, to, they're going to have to be really, really special because it's going to take a while for guys to break through and be able to go and stay there. That's why I really hope Austin Eckrode has a good fall so he, he really gets himself solidified in that top echelon of players. And then if you fall out of that, shame on you because you've just screwed up because you've got a gravy train and everybody wants it, but it's hard to fall off of it once you get it. You mentioned Taylor Montgomery's hot start to the year where he finished 15th at the RSM, 12th at the Sony Open, and 5th at the American Express. But recently, I mean, he missed the cut at the U.S. Open, John Deere, Genesis, and 3M Open. He's really lost it with the Irons, fellas, uh, from the RBC Heritage right after the Masters to the Genesis Scottish Open. He hasn't gained shots on the field strokes gained approach with the irons fellas and and you just can't play good golf when you're hitting the irons that bad and that means that eric cole's probably the rookie of the year the next one is the biggest surprise and they went with lucas glover i have no problem with that i i think that one lucas glover has to 
you know, be in the discussion for comeback player of the year or biggest surprise, and you can give either one to Wyndham Clark or Lucas Glover. You see what I'm saying there, T-Dub? It has to be one or the other. I agree, absolutely, yeah. Lucas Glover, what a great story that was. Him finally able to get a putter that he could make the putts with, and that was that is the great finishers. Had he played, had he played a little bit better the last couple of uh, playoff events, maybe he would have been able to get selected for the a captaincy pick to be able to in Rome. I know that we were rooting for that at some point, because it is a feel-good story. Another guy's been out on tour for 20-something years now, and then also has a, a major championship in his belt, won the 2009 U.S. Open, the, which was the infamous year of the worst major season in the history of golf, and there will never be one that is ever worse than that. So, yeah, but no, it, it was great to see Lucas Glover come back and play Woody, because uh, for whatever reason, seems like a guy that a lot of people like. Well, we, we have to like Lucas Glover, because his first win as a pro was the Oklahoma Open. So I think if if you look at a guy that you want to talk about came from nowhere, I would have to say Lucas Glover. I mean, his last big hurrah literally was that 09 U.S. Open. Now, he had brief stints where he played good, but he has been struggling for a lot of years. And then all of a sudden, to, to rally the way he did, uh, even though he didn't get on the Ryder Cup team, he made it interesting. That's what I liked. Let's go to shot of the year, fellas. They had Rory McIlroy's two iron on the 72nd hole in the Scottish Open. The stinger, that was an unbelievable shot he hit into the wind to beat Robert McIntyre in the final round of the Scottish Open from 201 yards away. The the shot that sticks out to me, and I'm missing a ton of shots. I watch a ton of golf, fellas, doing what I do, so I'm sure I'm missing one. But the one that just really sticks out to me, and I know that people got tired of him very quickly, was Michael Block. But the Michael Block ace in the PGA was unbelievable. You know, when we talk about the major championships this year, there's not one specific shot out of the majors that really sticks out to me. Uh, it was just really rock-solid golf by Rom. And rock solid golf by Kepka. Same thing with Clark and, and uh, Harmon. So, not one specific shot in the majors this year. So, I would go either Rory on that two iron. I agree with them, or the uh, block ace in the PGA. T Dub. Are there any other ones that stick out to you? It is the classic question of is the best shot under the the gun of the moment. For example, last year JT's three wood on the seventeenth in that playoff. At, at Southern Hills was absolutely stellar. And, and for the moment to be to be in the second hole of a three-hole playoff makes it that more interesting as well. So then you look at Rory, who, under the circumstances, the, the, how tough 17 and 18 played that day at the Genesis is what I think makes that finish a lot better because he finished 2-3 at 5, and it played to an average of uh, almost a shot and a half over par between the two. So that was, I, I think, that's what, if you look at the scenario of it where it was, I would agree with them. But the best actual golf shot I saw all year, and it's not even close, it was Cam Smith at Augusta out of the bunker on eight with his feet up on the side slope with a three-wood, hits it out of there up to about eight feet and makes the eagle. I didn't even know you could get within 100 yards of the green woody out of that bunker on eight. He hits it at 10 feet. I don't know if I'll ever see a better shot than that on that hole ever in the history of golf. That has to be the best shot of this year. You know what? I'd forgotten all about that one. That's what's so brutal about this. It's what you guys just, the way you did the analogy, is it under the gun, the last hole at a at a big golf tournament, or is it just a shot that you can't believe somebody pulled off? And that, that's why it's really hard to say shot of the year. I would I would have to say that the, the, the hole-in-one by block was the most unexpected. How about just this whole 
tournament was the most unexpected. And everybody loves for at least two weeks, wasn't it? Or three weeks, everybody loves a hero. <laughs> That's right. Um, but as much as I dislike Rory most of the time, although he, he's starting to get on my good side, guys, because I saw Rory did a deal the other day with Make-A-Wish for a kid that had some real issues, and he let the kid caddy for him. And I know he's not a bad guy. Uh, so I don't think there's very many people could hit that two-iron that he hit on that Scottish Open. So on the 72nd hole, pretty strong. So I'll let him go with that. I'm not as convinced on that one as the, all the others, Sam, but I, that, that was still a pretty darn good shot. It's a tough question when we're watching thousands of golf shots every single weekend. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm fine with Rory Block. I agree with Cam Smith. If you're going to go just the toughest and hardest shot to pull off, right, I, I think that that's a great pick by T-Dub there as well out of the bunker on Ada Augusta. Um, the last one they have here, fellas, is best finish, and they went with Nick Taylor at the RBC Canadian Open. Obviously, the pillow fight playoff with Tommy Fleetwood where they're laying up into the rough and everything, and then Nick Taylor, the home countryman, wins the Canadian Open. That was a great finish. Now, I'm going to go a little different direction. I'm going to go the live route with this one. The most unexpected finish was Taylor Gooch winning the Live Adelaide event in Australia, and it wasn't unexpected that Taylor Gooch won the event. It was the scene surrounding Taylor walking up 18. That's TG, our guy, coming on the podcast, does the interviews. Our guy's walking in front of tens of thousands of people like he's Tiger Woods winning the Tour Championship or something. And that's when Liv really started to gain some traction nationally, not just with us who have been covering it from the beginning. I think a lot of people realized that this was a product that could actually work, and then we obviously see the merger by the end of the year, fellas. Um, So I thought that that win... And adding in the fact that it was our guy, Taylor Gooch, that was probably my favorite finish of the year, T-Dub. A very elite choice there. Yeah, I remember watching that crowd and thinking, my word, this looks like looks like what Tiger did on, in 2018 at Eastlake. Oh, the whole crowd. I'm like, I'll never see this in golf again. I saw it down in Australia with our man TG. So that was really cool to see. When you look at just the the finishes of golf tournaments, you look at the, the live that we had here in Cedar Ridge. That was an absolute great finish. The playoff with Dustin Johnson, Ken Smith, Brendan Gracie. Are you kidding me? That was beautiful golf. To watch that, that was a great finish. Victor Hovland at the BMW just a couple weeks ago shooting one of the best back nines that I've ever seen in the history of golf. That has to be up there. And then my pick and what I consider the most underrated tournament of the year is when our man Taylor Moore won down at the Valspar. That was a great tournament. You had uh, you had Adam Shank down there in the Bogan Lasso. You had Jordan Speed trying to get his first win of the season, first win in, uh, since the year before, trying to get that done. Our man Taylor Moore came in clutch on the back nine. I believe he shot three or four under on that side, which was uh, about three or four shots better than what the average was. It, just an absolute beautiful nine. So, to me, Woody, I'm going with that tournament because no one talks about it, but it was an absolute beautiful tournament. Great finish on a very uh, very difficult golf course. See, this is another tough one. I mean, all these golf tournaments, there's a bunch of good finishes. I agree that Taylor Moore finish was really special for us because he's a local boy. You can't say enough about Taylor Gooch, what kind of year he had. I think one of the reasons that was so spectacular is the poor Australians are so far around on the other side of the continent, they don't get to see much golf. And it, obviously, they like them some golf by the way they reacted. I still loved 
six or 29, I mean, to win that golf track, to watch him play that back nine, guys, and just shot after shot after shot after shot. It was just phenomenal. It was 28, wasn't it? Or was it 29? I can't remember. It was so many birdies, I quit counting. So, you know what? I don't know. I think the only reason why I liked that Canadian was when they tackled Adam Hadley. <laughs> that, was, right. that was what they, that was. I forgot about that. <laughs> Nobody cared about the Canadian Open until they that that made that made news. So I don't know, guys. I mean, anytime somebody wins a golf tournament, I think it's exciting. So uh, exciting for that person for sure. So if they want to go with that, if they want to go up there with the Canadian, that's fine. I'm not going to argue with that one right now. Those are the serious awards that they gave out in this article. And then they did biggest disappointment here at the end. And then they did funniest moments. So we'll go bad news first. Biggest disappointment. They had Justin Thomas, uh, JT. I mean, he had to be a, the last captain's pick for the Ryder Cup. Didn't make the playoffs after winning a major in 2022, fellas. I totally agree with them that Justin Thomas was the biggest disappointment. You could add in a guy like a, a Dustin Johnson, but even he got a win in 2023. Um, other disappointments, fellas, I can't find any quite as big as Justin Thomas, who finished 71st in the FedEx Cup points list uh, after winning winning a major in 2022. It, it was a massive fall from grace for, for JT. Oh, he has to be the biggest disappointment of the year, and I don't even think it's really close. I'm trying to scroll through here and see some names that may be up on that list, and there's, there's not even one that sticks out to me that's going to say, well, yeah, he has a, a, a bigger letdown of a season than Justin Thomas did because the expectation level is so high for him. You expect him to win major championship, and three out of the four majors, he missed the guy. He shot 280 in majors this year. So, yeah, undoubtedly, Woody, he has to be the biggest disappointment. And like I said, I think it's a one, and then whoever's in second is miles behind JT. Yeah, again, this one wasn't hard to pick, was it, guys? I mean, it, you know, if you, if you said biggest disappointment in majors, we'd all say Rory. But biggest disappointment all around, JT, no doubt. He, he's disappointed in himself. Everybody else is disappointed in him. Fellas, funniest moment, they had Tom Kim getting muddy at the PGA Championship. Uh, that was hilarious. And Now Tom Kim, I guess, thinks it's okay to wear capris in every single tournament, but it's all right. We'll let it slide because we like Tom Kim here on this podcast. For me, T-Dub, funniest moment of the year was a strong battle either between watching Jay Monahan squirm in his press conferences after the news of the merger or Brandel Chambly squirm in his interviews after the news of the merger. But after everything that they said, watching those two squirm had to be the funniest moments of the year to me. I think back to that day, I remember watching Golf Channel and thinking, wow, this is truly unbelievable what I am witnessing. I just see Brandel Chambly go up there and just eat so much crow. It truly was absolutely great. To me, the funniest moment is one that just got brought up just a second ago. Adam Hadwin getting tackled, literally tackled like a <laughs> linebacker on the 18th green at the RBC Canadian Open. Has to be the, it's one of those deals where if he actually was hurt, it probably wouldn't have been extremely funny. He tore his ACL and not been able to play for a year. That probably would have stuck pretty bad. The fact that he was all right and made fun of it, I think has to make it the funniest moment of the year because I don't know when the next time we will – I don't know if I'll see that – Till the day I die, Woody, someone getting tackled, a PJ Tour golfer getting tackled on the green for trying to champagne the first uh, winner of the Canadian Open in, what, 70 years. I would love to do an interview if there's any way we could find that guy that was a security guard. Wouldn't that be fun to have him on the podcast? 
that might have more listeners than anything we've ever had. Um, <laughs> that one, that one, guys, is right there. I mean, like you say, T-Dub, I've never seen anything like that ever. I, I was like, wow, that was crazy. I loved watching Chambly squirm because, and I shouldn't say squirm because he's such a bulldog defiant little c- I mean, well, I can't say that. So he's really <laughs> arrogant. Well, arrogant would be a good word. I want to use my own can. Uh, so all in all, I, I think when you think about funny moments, when you think about golf, we'd have to look at some video, guys. But but that security tackle, that was pretty funny. I agree. Uh, that's one of my highlights there. That's definitely one that sticks out for sure. Um, talking about biggest disappointment, fellas, Tiger Woods was supposed to have, you know, this comeback season after withdrawing from the PGA Championship and, and you know, the everything that happened at the Open last year. He tried to play in the Masters this year and just couldn't do it, fellas, and had to withdraw after the bad weather, cold weather at Augusta National. His foot started acting up, had to have the ankle surgery again. Um, there was news today on Tiger Woods that he was out on the range giving a clinic and hitting full golf shots at Liberty National for the hashtag Nexus Cup, which I guess is some tournament going on at Liberty National, fellas. But uh, that had to be included in the disappointments. But it is good news that Tiger's hitting full shots again. But I I got to say, as Tiger Woods fans, fellas, you know, it's one of those situations where we pump the brakes a little bit because we saw how pure Tiger was hitting it on the range at the PGA Championship last year where he did make the cut, I might add, but then had to withdraw because his body broke down on him walking the golf course. And that's what I struggle with with Tiger is these videos don't make me excited because I know he can probably hit full shots when he's been resting and after the surgery and everything the thing that I don't think we'll ever see from Tiger again is him being able to have that consistent, you know, elite ball striking when you can't even walk the course for 72 holes, T-Dub. I don't think we'll ever see that at an elite enough level to compete in a major championship again. So I'm saying pump the brakes on this video we got from Tiger today out at Liberty National. Well, as a, as a Tiger fan, you're talking about biggest disappointment. Yeah, that, that is 100%. Exactly that, because he, he could have had a, a tremendous season if he started to go get healthy, but unfortunately that has not been the case and don't know if that ever will be the case. But as far as today, yeah, yeah pump the brakes. Don't be thinking he's going to miraculous come back. It's a good sign that he has more than likely hit the ball, so that's that's a, a great sign there. There was a video that went around of asking, they asked him if there is an, if you're, you're trying to get an amateur into golf who had not played, what advice would you give them? And his answer was, don't watch and he used a word that, that Woody said earlier that you cannot uh, use. Do not watch effing YouTube. And then, and then he said just bang balls. So I don't know what he seems like. The pretty good advice from Tiger, even though he might not be able to play the best golf, he's still dropping some gems like that. I'm thinking this, guys, and this is going to be one of those uh, uh, Nostradamus predictions. I don't know who has won the most senior major titles. I'd have, you guys have to do all your analytics for me and figure out who has won the most senior major championship. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Bernard Longer. Well, I probably would too. Uh, but I think if he's allowed to use a cart, that'll be the one thing that's going to make this doable. If when he turns 50, he can use a cart, I think he will win 
he's got one more goal. I think if he will set his mind on it, he can win the most majors of anybody that's ever played champions golf or whatever you want, senior golf, whatever it is. Now, I say that, but only if he doesn't become the commissioner of the PGA Tour and the commissioner of the TGL. <laughs> if he does all that, yeah, he doesn't care about golf anymore. He, he, he'll he be doing his golf, but it won't be with his clubs anymore. But I agree with you. If he's able to ride in a cart, then I would put Tiger's game up to just about anybody's right now, especially on the senior tour. By the way, your question, I was correct. It was Bernard Longer who has 12 senior major titles. Gary Player has nine, and Jack Nicholas has eight. Those are your top three. Then Hale Irwin and Steve Stricker both have seven. Um, T-Dub, any last thoughts on Tiger, on what Woody said? I completely agree. If he wants to, he can get a card on the signature. That's and he's even stated that before. He said, "If I go on the signature, yeah, I'll use a card." It's, it's allowed. He just will not do it on the on the PGA Tour when it comes to that. So one of the reasons why I think the Tiger will play the signature is Champions Tour has been notorious for essentially just taking money away from the PGA Tour, taking money away from you know the guys that do qualifying school things like that because you know they're getting fairly decent purses and they're not, usually not bringing in that abundance of crowds, right? And not getting many ticket sales, things like that. Not enough to pay out the purses that they that they have been. And now you get Tiger there; he's going to get massive crowds if you play there. And then someone who I think at some point will have at least some ownership in the PGA Tour, it would be advantageous for him to do that as a for a business there. So as long as he's able to swing and hit shots, I think that he will play, which is something that I would never thought uh, five to six years ago. Do you guys think that? The Jack-Goat debate with Tiger, do you think that that weighs in his mind that he thinks he needs to you know, win senior major championships as well? Like I just said, Jack has eight senior majors. Do you think that Tiger thinks that that would help him in the uh, Goat debate since he'll probably never catch him with actual major championships? There's a, a decent chance that Tiger's being the competitor that he is. For me, I think it has to do with he gets to play with, with guys who he grew up playing against. Uh, when he first came out on tour, how, the way that he talked about the, the guys who were veterans on the PGA Tour when he first got out there, he speaks so highly of them. So for him to get out there and play with those guys again, Tiger's one of those guys where he'll, he likes to hang out with the older people as opposed to a lot of the younger crowd. I know JT's kind of like his younger brother, but more than likely he's not taking very many young guys under his wing. He has JT and he has Charlie, which is what he's going to do. And I think that's another reason that he would play it as well because – Charlie's motivated him to want to play golf, and he's probably not going to like the day that Charlie keeps out driving him on a consistent basis and can eventually beat him someday. So he doesn't want that day to come. So he's going to try to prolong that as long as he can. So I think there's a lot of factors here. I'll be honest with you, anyone who looks at the GOAT debate is going to look at senior major titles to determine if Jack or Tiger is better. I'm going to go ahead and question your golf opinion in general because at the end of the day, are we really using that as a standard? Someone like Barnhard Langer, who's had such longevity playing at 63 years old, and it's absolutely striping it. Okay, that's that's a little bit different. But when you're talking about the greatest golfer of all time, I don't think we're really looking at the senior tour, at least in my opinion. I wasn't really saying goat debate as far as us debating it. I just met him in his head. He's chased Jack with everything that he's done his whole career. I was just you know bringing it up in the fact that Jack did it, so he might do it because he's copied pretty much everything Jack did. You know, I think you got something there in a way, Sam. I think, I think the challenge will be for him that it's still a chance to play competitive golf. And I, I, if he can play competitive golf and, and be able to get around the golf course, I think it's still in his blood. That's what I would tell you. I don't think there's anybody that will argue that in his prime, when Tiger was healthy and when he was playing the kind of golf he was playing, that he was probably the best golfer ever, okay? 
that's the argument that a lot of people will say is during that time, he was better than everybody. And I have to agree. I've watched him do things I couldn't believe he could do. Overall, when you look at a record, you got to say, well, Jack's got 18, Tiger's got 15. And so that's what I don't like about that. Who's the greatest golfer ever? I would argue to you guys it was Ben Hogan <laughs> because he didn't have near the amount of time. His body was absolutely destroyed in that bus accident when he got hit by that bus. So there's a lot of, here we go again, there's a lot of arguments out there. So I think Tiger will will want to play and win as long as he can until his just till he can't play anymore. Whether it's his body or his mind, whatever, where he just doesn't want to do it. But if he wants to, I still think he can break whatever record he wants on the on the Champions Tour. Speaking of the Champions Tour, fellas, and Tiger Woods on the Champions Tour, Kim McLeod wrote a story on Golf Oklahoma today about Prairie Dunes to host the 2029 U.S. Senior Open and the 2032 U.S. Senior Women's Open. I mean, I might have to go up and watch that, especially if Tiger Woods is playing on one of the greatest golf courses in America, Prairie Dunes, T-Dub, in 2029. I think that's a great get for Prairie Dunes to get that U.S. Senior Open, T-Dub. That's absolutely huge. No, that would be great stuff. I had not, not uh, realized that. So, yeah, great job by Kim McLeod reporting on that. Because, what, is that six years away now? So, that's so what Tiger will be, what is he, 47, 48 now? So, he'll be his mid-50s. So, yeah, there's a decent chance that if he's still sticking around, he could make an appearance there, and that'd be great. And I'd probably go up and watch it anyway. Prairie Dunes, like, as you alluded to, one of the best golf courses in the world, and it's one of my favorite golf courses because it, it's a classic Perry Maxwell design. I just absolutely love the green complexes out there and think that it's a, a really good test of golf. It's just one of those courses kind of, unfortunately, hasn't withstood the test of time as much as you can really overpower it in a lot of areas nowadays. But with the senior guys, a lot of those guys still hit it pretty far but it won't have as much impact as it would on, obviously, a PJ Tour, even a Corn Fair event. So, yeah, Woody, I think that's going to be an absolutely beautiful thing to see in here in, what is that, six years now? Yeah, and I, I've still got hope that, that Oak Tree's going to get something before the end of the decade, too, guys. So, I mean, I think one of the reasons why Oak Tree went to those Bermuda Greens is the USGA pretty much said, hey, you guys need to make a change to your, your green complex. You're, you're just dead of summer when that's always played it's in july guys because i got to play more than one of those senior u.s opens so i think the usga had a lot to do with us going to bermuda up at oak tree national so uh there hasn't been any announcements or anything but i i still think we might get one of those before the end of the decade and by the way speaking of senior golf fellas um, that reminded me of the United States Mid-Am that is going on right now at Sleepy Hollow up in New Jersey. And our man Ian Davis, friend of the show, one of the best Mid-Am players in the country, I can tell you guys that he lost in the round of 64 today. Um, so... Ian, who shot one under par in the first two stroke play rounds, was the 27 seed, and he went up against Todd White, who won the U.S. Senior Amateur this year, um, the 38 seed in this event. 
uh, and Ian lost three and two in the round of 64 today. But the winner of the U.S. Mid-Am T-Dub does get into the Masters, and they're headed to the round of 16 tomorrow. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on and on another historic course in Sleepy Hollow where Cam Young's dad was the uh, head pro and director of golf for a long time. That's really the thing that sticks out to me is just the golf course, Sleepy Hollow. What an absolute gym that is. Some of the, we talked about green complexes earlier. Those green complexes are absolutely insane. One of the most probably photographed holes, I think the top 15 photographed hole in the world was at the part 316th there, I believe. It has a really tremendous view of the uh, Lake Ocean, whatever it is, sits in the in the background there. So that's a, a really cool hole. And I wish our man Ian would have been able to go a little bit further. I was able to get it done. But Ian will make a round of 64 still an accomplishment. And such a great guy. Deserves all the uh, accolades that he has now for sure. So, yeah, it's uh, a good tournament on a great golf course with a, a lot on the line, Woody. So, yeah, that's uh, uh, definitely something that's, that's good to see. Like I said, I, I don't care what kind of tournament it is. You play it on a great golf course like that, it definitely has to pick your interest. Ian was out at Oak Tree National last week, and I got to his talk to him. And let me tell you something. I would not be surprised, guys. Again, I'm going to be a Nostradamus. I would not be surprised if an Ian Davis didn't win a mid-amateur championship one day. He's got unbelievable talent. He's a great ball striker. He, he's he got his mind in the right place, too. He's actually starting to have fun playing golf. And when you're that good and you play that well and then you get everything in your life kind of gets right and you can play golf and be happy playing golf, um, you're dangerous then. And so I, I look for big things out of Ian since he's gone to being a full-time amateur. I think he'll dominate. I really believe he'll dominate in Oklahoma. He'll, uh, he can win a lot. I'll tell you what, he's just too talented. No doubt about it. And the favorite in this event pretty much every year, Stuart Hagestad did win in the round of 32-2-1 over Mark Costanza. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on that as they head into the round of 16 tomorrow. Like I said, the winner of the Mid-Am does get into the Masters. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. And like you guys said, I totally agree. Ian's going to dominate not only amateur golf in the state of Oklahoma, but amateur golf nationally as well. He has that type of game, you know, finished, what, second in Q school one year and was a great player at Oklahoma State and won the Oklahoma Stadium last year. We love Ian Davis, one of the good guys out there. Uh, Fellas, we need to hit a break here on the 73rd Hole podcast. After the break, we're going to talk a little Ryder Cup, then give you the preview for the BMW PGA Championship coming up on the DP World Tour this week. Like I said, Jim Woodward, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you today, and I want to tell everybody to go follow us on social media at the 73rd Hole on Twitter or X and at 73rd Hole on Instagram and also hit that follow button on Apple and Spotify. It's absolutely free. It will just give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode and we got great interviews and content coming up for the Ryder Cup at the end of the month. Not only the U.S. side, but the European side as well as we lead up to Rome. Fellas, let's go ahead and hit a break here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Hey everyone, T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends, 
at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage, and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at McCrayRoofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Here on the other side of the break on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you again. And fellas, it is Ryder Cup time where we start really gearing up and getting fired up for the Ryder Cup across the pond at Marco Simone Golf Club in Rome. And so I figured this would be a good time. This week we'll cover and kind of break down the European squad and break down the captain's picks especially and tell you guys why these players did make the Ryder Cup team so we'll go European this week and then we'll go American next week and then it'll be about time to start our actual Ryder Cup previews for 2023 uh fellas I mean what can we say about the top three on the European squad you got Rory McIlroy John Rahm and Victor Hovland this is Rory's seventh appearance in the Ryder Cup Rahm's third appearance and Javi's second Um, but Javi is a completely different player than what he was even a couple years ago but quick thoughts on Rory Rahm and Hovland we talk a lot about those guys I really want to get extensive on some of these other guys that the people might not know about that they're going to see in Rome I think we all know why Rory Rahm and Victor are on the they, they could have had seasons like JT did, and they still would have been picked, especially because the European team isn't near as deep as the American team is. So, yeah, by what they did, they were going to be on this team. But the seasons that they had, we've already alluded to Rom and Hovland earlier because we were debating if they were going to be PJ Tour Player of the Year. Then you have Rory, what he always does, and he had the, was probably the shot of the year at the Genesis Scottish Open to win there, but that was his only win uh, of the season. So that's a little bit something of, of a hindrance there, but still all the great finishes that he had. Uh, one thing that's encouraging about Rory is that he's gained a strokes gain on the greens, I believe, his last 11 events that he's played in. So that is at least halfway encouraging with how good he strikes it. So that's going to be something you have to do in, in the uh, Ryder Cup, Woody, is, is make putts. And it looks like that, uh, that Rory's going to be able to do that. I got to tell you guys, when you talk about those three, I mean, you go great, great, and great. <laughs> they're just uh, – they're so strong up top there, and they really don't have any weaknesses. Uh, yeah, they might have struggled a little this year at times, but, boy, I'm scared to death of those three guys. Uh, they are dangerous. No doubt about it. Not much we can say about those three guys. The fourth guy on the European Ryder Cup list here is Tyrrell Hatton, who will be playing in his third Ryder Cup this year. And Tyrrell Hatton, the 13th-ranked golfer in the official World Golf Ranking, had a really solid year, didn't have a win. But in 2023, Tyrrell Hatton had 24 starts, 14 top 20s, and five top fives. And he is one of the most consistent 
consistent putters on the PGA Tour. What are your thoughts on Tyrrell Hatton's year so far, T-Dub? He really, really had a lot of success in the middle of the season. Uh, he finished second at the Players' Championship, finished fourth at the Arnold Palmer, sixth at the uh, Waste Management, finished, finished third at the Wells Fargo, fifth at the Byron Nelson, finished third in, 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 in Canada. So really in that really three- to four-month stretch there, he had some, some tremendous golf that was being played. It kind of slowed down a little bit at the end of the year, so maybe that's an encouraging side for the American side. But Hatton's one of those guys with how great that he putts. He's going to make putts over there. And he's the type of player, too, he's going to – He's going to get the ball and play usually off the time. He's not going to do it a lot of time with driver, but he can hit a three-wood out there in the fairway pretty consistently. And that's one thing that's been encouraging from him as well. He's been able to drive the ball exceptionally well this year. It's only the second year that he's been able to hit, have gain strokes in distance and gain strokes accuracy at the same time. So whenever you have those things clicking, buddy, that's an encouraging sign. So, yeah, just if Hines always been the guy. If, you can control, if he can control his temper, he's going to be just fine. And he hasn't been able to do that, but yet he's still so talented that he can, he can get over his uh, temper tantrums that he has on the course. Well, isn't it ironic that Europe is known for their fine wine and two of those top four guys being Rory and Hatton are two of the biggest wine bags I've ever watched on a golf course. So there you have it. It fits them. But, I'm I, again, there's a guy that's a little scary, guys. I hope he goes volcanoish. I hope he goes nuts. I thought you, were, you told Hovland you're rooting for Europe. I said I'd root for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're rooting for him, if you listen to the earlier part of that interview, Woody, uh, then you yeah. would realize that Hovland and Hatton are probably going to be paired together in this Ryder Cup okay, at some well point. Then, that'd be good because if Terrell goes into a volcano <laughs> moment, he needs the calmness of Victor Hovland to keep him under control. So, Sam, I'm torn. I told you I'm torn on this one this year. I'm just, I want to, I still got the red, white, and blue running through my veins, but I just like Victor a lot. So, uh, we'll see. I just going to have to watch the Ryder Cup alone so nobody knows what I'm really doing. <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely right. Tyrrell was fourth on the Ryder Cup points list for Europe. Fifth on the points list, also locked in, was Matt Fitzpatrick. This will be his third Ryder Cup as well. The eighth-ranked player in the OWGR, 15th-ranked player on Data Golf. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick had a solid year as well. 25 starts, 13 top 20s, three top fives, and a win. Obviously got that win at the RBC Heritage, but recently he's been playing extremely well. Very good sign for the European side. Finished second at the BMW Championship, finished ninth at the Tour Championship, and and tied for third at the Omega European Masters. T-Dub, what are your thoughts on Matty Fitz? Not a good sign for the Americans that a player like Matty Fitz is starting to get his game to go. As you just mentioned, those last three finishes are good. And one thing we should know is that every all, every player that we're listing off here is playing this week at the BMW, which we'll, pre, we'll preview just a little bit. But so we'll be able to see even a little bit more form and see what exactly we're going to see maybe a couple weeks in Rome. But Matty Fitz obviously won the U.S. Open last year, and then he won the RBC Heritage this year over in that playoff over Jordan Spieth, who the whole time I thought Spieth was going to win the tournament, but somehow Matty Fitz ended up getting it done so other than that kind of had a little bit of a roller coaster year didn't have a very good stretch right before he his three tournament stretch he wasn't playing very good four straight events in a row his best finish was 41st but it seems like he's getting a little bit figured out especially off the tee box 
I did see on on Instagram a couple of days ago that he got engaged, I believe. So that'll be interesting to see if maybe he's spending a little bit more time dealing with his personal life as much as on the golf course. So that'll be something detailed. But as far as we've seen the last few times he's been on the course, Woody, absolutely stellar stuff. And the Americans uh, need to watch out for that for sure. Yeah, another guy that I'm scared to death of because he can putt. I, I did see that he was gotten engaged. So hopefully she's got his mind all twisted. So, again, see, see, I'm pulling against Europe again, Sam. And I said, no, nah, I wouldn't do that. So, but uh, Matty Fitz can putt his golf ball. And that, we said this, guys, everyone we keep talking about on their team's pretty good putter. <laughs> and that changes this whole atmosphere of this Ryder Cup when putts start going in. Let's talk about a streaky putter who was the last guy locked in for Europe, and he got locked in on the DP World Tour points side. Remember, the European team goes off world points and European points, and Robert McIntyre, who will be playing in his first Ryder Cup, it's weird. You, I feel like he already played in a Ryder Cup, but I guess he didn't. We've just known that he's one of those solid DP World Tour players for a long time now. One of those rare guys now, I mean, I feel like all the Europeans play on the PGA Tour, fellas, but Robert McIntyre plays solely on the DP World Tour. Now, he did play in the Genesis Scottish Open, which is both now. It, it did count as a PGA Tour event this year, um, but that was his only PGA Tour event other than the two majors where he finished 71st at the Open Championship and he missed the cut at the PGA Championship this year. He's a very streaky putter, T-Dub. What are your thoughts on Robert McIntyre? The DP World Tour list, like I just kind of alluded to, is not as strong as it used to be. Um, he's probably the guy on this team with maybe the least merit of, or definitely the least merit of the guys that were locked in at the top. You could argue about, you know, Aberg and stuff like that, but Bobby Mack, the only guy straight off the DP World Tour that was locked in. Well, just to put it into perspective, of the 12 Europeans that are on the Ryder Cup team that'll be in Rome, the 11th ranked one, Seth Straka, is 57th ranked player analytically, and Bobby Mack is 127th ranked player analytically. So it's a drastic drop-off that, he ha- that you had there. After his second-place finishes at the Scottish Open to Rory, without Rory's bracket, finish probably would have won the thing. But even with that second finish, that vaulted him so high in their point system that there wasn't, unless he just played absolutely horrible coming down the rest of the season, someone else played great, he had that spot secured. So you could look at it from a few perspectives. As a European fan, you might think, well, maybe we could have gotten someone better if our point system wasn't the way it was. But if you're going to go out and not get, get live guys like a Sergio who has all the experience out there, you look at the guys who you could have taken. I mean, the highest-ranked guy analytically other than uh, the guys that were picked is Steven Yeager, which uh, he's had a solid year, but nothing exceptional that you say, oh, we need to pick him. I've been, I was a slight advocate for Aaron Rye. I think towards the end of the year, Nikolai Horgard was playing better than him, so that was kind of the final jurisdiction there. You have guys like Adrian Moronk, who we thought was going to be picked for the team, but at the end of the day was uh, did, had a horrible end to the season. So really, Woody, at the end of the day, people, European fans might be upset that someone like Bobby Mack is not – Literally hasn't been playing the exceptionally best golf in the world, but he is only 27 years old. And there may be something that is good experience for him because there may be a few more Ryder Cups for him down the road if he can uh, keep up the form that he had, at least at the Scottish Open. Yeah, well, I, you know, you just look at look at Shane Lowry, look at Justin Rose. They're much better players than Bobby Mack. So, although I think this, this guy's dangerous, uh, you know, the Europeans play so good in those four balls, guys. Uh, they really do the best balls and four balls. They just seem to match up the right players at the right time. So, 
do I think he's going to play a lot of matches? I'd be surprised if he does. Just what, just based on what we just talked about, he's not the, the he's not one of the top six guys. He shouldn't have been, but he was. That's how the scoring, the points work. So you know, I thought I look for him to play some, but I don't think he'll play a lot. I agree with you there, Woody. Let's get to the picks. The first pick for Team Europe was Tommy Fleetwood, the 14th-ranked player in the official World Golf Ranking, the 7th-ranked player on Data Golf for 2023. In 2023, at 24 starts, 13 top 20, 6 top 5s, did not have a win, but fellas, he's so rock solid, and he's only lost shots on the greens two times since the Valspar on the PGA Tour. T-Dub, what more can we say about Tommy Fleetwood? He's he's playing great golf right now and had a great year as a whole. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's been out of his last, I believe, eight tournaments. Seven of them have been inside the top 25. Six of them have been inside the top 10. So he's just been playing really great golf. The, the one thing that you can get Tommy Fleetwood for is we saw it at the uh, RBC Canadian Open, one of the easiest par fives I've ever seen in my entire life. He goes out and makes one of the worst pars you've ever seen. Tries to lay up, hits in the rough, and then tries to lay up again and puts it over down in the bunker. So it's or over in the, in the rough by the bunker. So he's had moments that he hasn't exceptionally performed under pressure. He has shot in two sixty threes in U.S. Open, so that is something that that very few people can say that they've done. So you can't question the talent at all. And what we saw with uh, especially in two thousand eighteen with him and uh, Francisco Molinari. And, and all the putts that he was making there. So once again, Woody, another guy that can putt, which is something that the Americans are lacking on. That's not something that we want to talk about as uh, as we root for the USA. No, it just once again, there we go. And Fleetwood is the most dangerous when he's paired with somebody because I don't feel like he has as much pressure on him. And we saw that when he played with Molinari. So, Guys, you're going to name some. We're not done. This is just the first guy that's stronger and well done. Okay, he is really good, and he can pair with anybody on that team. So let's go on to the next one because that's scary. The next guy on the European team is Justin Rose. Obviously, the second Ryder Cup pick for Luke Donald for the European side. This is Justin Rose sixth. Ryder Cup appearance in 2023 this year coming up and uh, Justin Rose had a great year fellas but it was an interesting year I mean he had 21 starts 10 top 20s two top fives and one win at Pebble Beach but it was like you know it, it felt like Justin Rose either finished top 10 or top 15 in the tournament or missed the cut so it was kind of hit or miss with Justin Rose this year right T-Dub? Oh absolutely and earlier we were talking about comeback player of the year we all agreed that Ricky probably should have got that if you look back, Justin Rose, back towards the back in like November of 2022, he was down as a 93rd ranked player analytically. Now he's up to 22. So he's he's definitely a guy who has gotten at least better golf overall for the rest of this year. He's all the way up to, I believe, the 15th ranked player analytically at one point. So, yeah, very interesting there. One thing that's interesting is it's been the worst driving year that he's ever had on the PGA Tour. It's absolutely insane to think about. He actually lost strokes getting off the tee, which is something he had never done before his irons were back to they were back in 2018 where he won FedEx Cup there and his putting was exceptional. The last three, his last three years on the PGA Tour, he's gained a lot of strokes in that category. His last two tournaments, he did not make, he did not qualify for the Tour Championship, but the two playoff events before that, he at least finished in the top 22 in both of those. So maybe a good little bit of form there. He putted really good both of those events as well. 
But yeah, as I mentioned, though, the Irons, though, only one out of his last, I believe, 16 tournaments, he's lost strokes game with the Irons. So that's that's a guy, Woody, that you can, uh, if you want a, a guy to hit you a shot on a par three, Justin Rose might be your man. Well, the the six rider cuts is what just screamed to me, danger, Will Robinson. I mean, this guy can pair with anybody also. And I would not be surprised if Luke Donald, when he throws a rookie out, he doesn't put him with Justin Rose just because of his experience and his calmness. I think that will be something you'll look for. I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see Aberg and Justin Rose team. No doubt. I think that would be a heck of a team. Talk about two great ball strikers right there. Uh, the third captain's pick for Luke Donald was Shane Lowry. This will be his second Ryder Cup. And Shane Lowry was a controversial pick. A lot of European fans thought they should have gone with Moronk. Let me tell you why I think that they made the right decision going with Lowry. Um, number one, he kind of proved everybody wrong or you know, went to the Horizon Irish Open this past week with a chip on his shoulder where he finished tied for third in that Irish Open. But fellas, this is a guy that comes to play in big events. And I know it's been a long time, uh, you know, but he did finish tied for 16th in the Masters, finished tied for 12th at the PGA, 20th at the U.S. Open. Now, he did miss the cut at the Open Championship, and he got picked coming off two missed cuts and a tied for 51st, but then obviously maybe got a jolt of confidence after getting that captain's pick, finishing tied for third at that Irish Open that I just talked about. Um, but he's a major champion. He's proven that he can do it in big-time moments, and if you weren't going to go with one of the live guys, I have no problem with them going with Shane Lowry. I really don't, T-Dub. I, I think it's that veteran presence that you know always plays well in a Ryder Cup. Oh, there's no doubt that Lowry should have been on this team for sure. He's only played in, I believe, one Ryder Cup, the one in, in Whistling Straits, so doesn't have a, a tremendous amount of, at least Ryder, at least positive Ryder Cup experience from that extent when a lot of the other Europeans do. Someone like Justin Rose, you're talking about a 13-8-2 record in that metric. So yeah, definitely a guy that would be a catalyst there. For Lowry, I think this is going to be a big week for him because he loves the BMW. He loves Whitworth. He won there last year before that. He's only the previous six times he's played there has not finished worse than 17th. And he's putted really well here, which is interesting. And he's known for having a kind of a scrappy game. One thing that's interesting is that this is the, only the second year he's been a pro that he lost strokes, great strokes gate around the green for an entire season. Usually he has a tremendous short game. So that's something to watch out for. So yeah, Woody, I think for Shane Lowry, I'm looking at this weekend particularly to see if he's going to have much success at the Ryder Cup because on a course that he really likes, if he comes out and misses the cut or finishes around 50th, then he, he's not feeling very good about his game. And that's something that, for the first time that we've said here, that the Americans could actually have a little bit of positivity. Well, I think that he'll play good. That's what scares me. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be fine. I think Sam said it best, what he did in the majors. Luke Donald couldn't have another rookie. He's, he's already got four. And I, I just think it would have been a mistake. I think Lowry even though I don't think from what he'd done so far this year, was he the one that everybody would pick? No, but the people that are in the know, and that's why we always talk about JT, the people in the know think he can still pull it off for us Americans. So Shane Lowry's the same way. You got to go with Shane Lowry. That was a good pick. No doubt. Let's talk about one of those rookies, Sepp Straka, who played his college golf at the University of Georgia. Uh, Sepp Straka 
fellas, is all the way up to 23rd in the official World Golf ranking. Now he's 52nd on Data Golf, but he did get the win at the John Deere Classic in 2023. He had 31 starts, played a whole lot more than the rest of the European squad. Uh, eight top 20s, four top fives, and had that win, like I said, at the John Deere. He found something with the putter around the time of the PGA Championship this year where he finished tied for seventh then went on to win at the John Deere second at the open championship uh ended up finishing tied for 14th at the tour championship fellas Sepp Straka definitely had himself the best year of his career and I think he deserved to be a Ryder Cup rookie I'll be interested to see how they use Sepp Straka and it might be funny to see a little Brian Harmon Sepp Straka two guys that are really good friends were teammates at Georgia going head-to-head in the Ryder Cup yeah, that would be cool to see. After Straka won the John Deere and finished second at the uh, Open Championship, that almost locked up the fact that he was going to be on this team. And rightfully so, one thing that's interesting to know is it's been by far his best iron year that he's ever had. He his irons exceptionally well throughout the entire season. And actually, his last five out of his last six events, he's gained strokes game with his irons. So he's kind of similar to Justin Rose in that aspect where it seems like his driver at uh, three out of his last four events, he's he hasn't hit his driver very well at all, in all honesty, but the irons have been so well. And then you look at his around the greens, he's actually, every single year in the PGA Tour, his, his uh, stroke scan around the greens is in the negative. It's horrible. He's not a very good chipper whatsoever. Talk about Victor Hovland. He's in the likes of a, we talk about around the greens, Victor Hovland, and for however long that he couldn't chip, he's gotten to figure it figured out. He actually led the tour, Hovland did, in PJ in proximity out of the bunker, which is absolutely astonishing. And then, but, Seth Strunk might now be the one who will have the worst short games out there when it looks at the analytics. So, that's something interesting, but he putts really well, too. Very streaky putter, and he's on the positive side of streakiness. But he's another guy to look out for this week, I think, for all the rookies as well. Because if they go in with a little bit of form from Wentworth and play to go in the Ryder Cup, that would be something to watch out for, uh, definitely. Well, I still think one of the reasons why Luke Donald put as many of these guys on the team as he did is to give them some experience. He knew how loaded he was up front, so he could, he could kind of roll the dice. He needs to get well, since they lose Sergio and they lose a lot of those guys from the Lids, he's got to get some experience wherever he can find it. So why not get it while you've got those studs up top and let them play with those guys? So, I mean, I, I think this European team is unfolding as we talk about, the more we talk about, they're a lot better than I thought they were going to be at the even 12 months ago. I, I didn't think they had it chance against the Americans, and now I'm not so sure. The second-to-last guy picked, fellas, for Luke Donald's European squad was Ludwig Aberg, and we've talked a lot about Ludwig on this show because he played his college golf at Texas Tech, and what can you say about his college career? Won the Hogan Award this year, won the Prestige Collegian, he won the Valspar Collegian, he won the Big 12 Championship, won the NCAA Norman Regional at Jimmy Austin, and then he turned pro. He finished fourth at the John Deere Club. Classic fourth at the Czech Masters and won the European Masters, the Omega European Masters that probably got him on the squad right before Luke Donald made those picks, T-Dub. And 
Ludwig Aberg will become the first player since Spain's Jose Maria Canizares in 1989 to make the Ryder Cup without competing in any of the major championships that year. Not only is Aberg not competed in any of the major championships this year. He's never competed in a major championship, T-Dub, but his time is coming. But I love this pick from Luke Donald. It's outside the box, and he's definitely one of the 12 best European players from 2023. So I love the pick, and I think that he will succeed just because strictly – if we're not even talking about the mindset factor that this kid turned pro and he's still dominating, just look at his ball striking. If you look at his swing compared to all the other young studs on the PGA Tour, I'm putting Love Vigabird's ball striking number one. This guy is an unbelievable talent. He's the next quote-unquote can't-miss guy, and I can't wait for the world to see him on this Ryder Cup stage, T-Dub. He's an absolute superstar. I've been clamoring really since he turned professional that he should be picked for this Ryder Cup team. A lot of people were like, no, he's too young. He doesn't have the experience. Because what you just said, the, the trivia of him not, never playing in a major, that's absolutely unbelievable. Something I had not thought about. Because usually even when the number one ranked amateur in, in at least the Wagger rankings turns pro, they usually have played in a major in a lot of instances. They've either qualified for the uh, U.S. Open or they've, won the USAM and got in the Masters, something like that. So it, it is interesting to see that, that he had not done that. He's still only 23 years old to be 24, I believe, next month. But with how he's been playing, he moved up to 38 in the uh, in analytic ranking. So he's an absolute world beater. He's going to be a superstar, not just this year, for the next decade or two. So it's, it's going to be his first of many Ryder Cups, Woody. That's why I've been saying for so long that he should have been picked. And Luke Donald nailed all of his picks, and luckily – for the European side, that Lovely Aberg was on this team because he's undoubtedly one of the best 12 Europeans in the world. And uh, I think anyone wants to argue that is a little bit crazy. I would have been interested to see what he would have done if he hadn't won. I mean, when he won, I knew he, I knew he was on the team when he won that, that last event. But we were scared of that one early on. You Don't you guys remember about three months ago when he came out of college and immediately made a, a showing there to John Deere? And, uh, you know, he just, He's not scared. He, you might, he might be a rookie, uh, but he's not scared. And if you put him with a veteran, uh, <laughs> I just hate it that he's on that team for the United States standpoint because he's going to be a, somebody to reckon with. And I think you hit it best, Sam. I don't think a lot of people know him yet, but after that little weekend in Rome, they're going to know about him then. I really think he's going to shine. Let's talk about the last guy picked for the Europeans. That was Nikolai Hoygaard. And Hoygaard is the 80th ranked player in the official World Golf ranking. But on Data Golf, he's the 51st ranked player. And in 2023, had 23 starts, 10 top 20s, five top fives, and not a win yet in 2023. But Nikolai Hoygaard, fellas, is one of the up-and-coming stars as well. He's only 22 years old. Nikolai Hoygaard really got on this team, T-Dub, because of how he has played recently. Finished third in the Czech Masters and then finished tied for fifth at the Omega European Masters. Also had the tied for sixth at the Genesis Scottish Open that we've talked a lot about during this show and finished second in Punta Cana on the PGA Tour and finished fifth on the DP World Tour at the Italian Open. This guy is an up-and-coming star, 22 years old, and already has those top fives and those big-time events in 2023. That's why he got picked as the last guy on this squad. 
who would have thought Loving Aberg being the, the rookie, never playing in a major, would have been the youngest guy on the team. And now Nikolai Horsgaard is, is by over a year, which is absolutely crazy. For the longest time, it was, who's going to be the better Horsgaard, Nikolai or Rasmus, who both twin brothers who are both exceptional golfers. Rasmus is the 101st player in the wagon rankings. He's 181st analytically, but still a, a borderline top 100 player and has been uh, uh, higher than that at certain points of his career. So, yeah, definitely both those guys, uh, twin brothers, battling it out to see who's going to be uh, on the Ryder Cup team. That was very interesting stuff to see. But, yeah, Nikolai, you look at his game, he just absolutely crushes the ball, hits the ball forever, and is a great putter, which that is just a tremendous com- combination that you want to have. And his play recently, there was a, a couple of, of picks on the European team. We knew who eight or nine of them would be. But then the, those last couple – we're up for grabs, and it's really who's going to finish the season on the best note. Nikolai Horgard went out and sees the deal. It'll be interesting to see how he plays this upcoming week. He's never played in the BMW at Wentworth before. So I'm interested to see how he handles that because if he comes out and, and maybe comes out and wins this tournament, that'll be a sign to watch out for because he's got the game to uh, to last out there for a lot of years, Woody. This is what still kind of made me, uh, you know, that Moronk had won three times, including in Rome. And when you look at Hoygaard and Aberg, not just in Rome, on that golf course, Woody. Yeah, that's what I mean. He won on that golf course. That's where I was meaning by that. But that's why it, I mean, Luke Donald must—he must have watched these kids, and he must really, really be impressed to throw a 22 and a 23-year-old on a Ryder Cup team. And he didn't even hesitate. I mean, he didn't apologize. I mean, I'm sure he did apologize. Morocco saying, hey, I just can't put you on the team. But his mind was made up. And to throw that young of rookies out there, he's got to have a lot of confidence in him, which I think so is the rest of his European team. Because, you know, just like our team, those guys talked. You can bet they were talking to Luke Donald about who they wanted on their team. And this young man must be very impressive. We haven't seen him like we saw. got to see Aberg because Aberg played in, our, our, in the United States in college. But these two must be really, really good guys. 20, 20, what did you say? 22 and 23. Wow. That's strong. Unbelievable. And, fellas, that was our European Ryder Cup team breakdown. We're going to, you know, dive way more into our preview for the Ryder Cup. I just thought it would be interesting to break down that entire team's year, considering a lot of people haven't watched a lot of those guys like Aberg and Hoygaard. Kind of give you a little insight into what you might see in Rome. Speaking of the European Ryder Cup team, everyone on the European Ryder Cup team like T-Dub said earlier, will be playing at the BMW PGA Championship. And your top five favorites this week at the BMW PGA are Victor Hovland, Rory, John Rahm, Tommy Fleetwood, and Shane Lowry. Um, T-Dub, I always ask you, will the winner come out of those top five favorites? I'm switching it up today. Does the winner come out of the European Ryder Cup team? Oh, I'm going to say it does. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we get that, that amount of stacked players. You, you have to do it because you, you look at it from this perspective, right? I, I scroll down here, and the highest guys who are in the field that are not on the Ryder Cup team, you have the likes of a Tom Kim, who is, I believe, the seventh ranked favorite in likely. You have Aaron Rise down in tenth, a Jordan Smith that follows right behind him, Adam Scott, Minwoo Lee, Alexander Borg. So, yeah, I am going to go ahead and pick uh, the European team for that aspect. Someone, guy, 
who might not be able, might not be a team who could win, someone like a Ryan Fox down there. He's interesting. What what would happen if like a Baronk, who we were just talking about, comes out and wins this week? That'd kind of be a slap <laughs> in the face. That, that would be an interesting storyline. I might be rooting for that actually to happen. So, but no, I think out of those choices, I have to go with the top guys, especially on the golf course. Such a prestigious golf course, and what was one of my favorites that I love to watch throughout the entire year. Very very narrow course. You're gonna have to hit a lot of fairways. So it'd be very similar to what we see in Rome, at least from a, a what you need, the style of game that you need to exceed. So I, I look forward. As well, the likes of a Shane Lowry won here last year. Absolutely loves this course. He plays well here. John Rahm has finished runner-up two times that he's played here. So, I, I mean, he's the type of guy, too. If he can get his driver figured out off the tee, he's going to win this tournament by five or six shots. So, yeah, I, I think that picking the Ryder Cup team in this instance is definitely the advantageous play. Just because generally, as I was alluding to, when you get on a difficult golf course, usually the cream rises to the top. And, Woody, there's no doubt that this is a difficult golf course. It's a difficult golf course. There's a tidbit to our Ryder Cup that I was going to tell you about Victor Hovland. Ryan Munson, who's a member out there at Oak Tree National, good player, told me a story yesterday while I was out there. This will show you how Victor's world has changed a little bit, guys, and how strong all these guys' relationships are. Victor was out playing golf, I guess, last weekend, and he was out with uh, Emerson Mosma, who remember that name because that's that little lefty out there. Talk about, up, talk about up and coming stars, Woody. Yeah, yeah, this, this little young guy. He's not little anymore. He's not that well. He's only fifteen, but he is so good. But he's out playing with Victor Hoblin, which shouldn't even be fair for all the other little kids that have to play against him. Can you imagine that? You get to play Victor Hoblin. Pretty cool. Well, I guess during the match, they were out there playing, and Hobby's phone rings, and uh, he talks for just a minute and says, yeah, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Hangs up. It was Rory McIlroy calling him just to make sure he was coming over to have their little group session they were going to do. And then his phone rings again, and he's talking to this guy, and he says, hey, I can't get a flight. They canceled my flight twice. I'm trying to get a flight. And he listens for a minute, and Hobby hangs up the phone and says, guys, i got to go. And they said, what? And he said, yeah, that was John Rahm calling me, and he's just going to fly from Phoenix to pick me up because he was getting ready to head over there in his plane. So he's going to drop into Oklahoma City and just pick Victor up. So, <laughs> um, What a life. Let's just, let me tell you something, guys. That, that, that camaraderie that those guys have is brutal, and it, it makes a difference, but I couldn't resist. Is one of them going to win? I think they are. But I had to tell you guys that story that Ryan Munson told me about it. It was unbelievable. No, that's a great story uh, there. It really shows, you know, not only the great camaraderie between the Europeans, it shows that the top-ranked European players are really treating Victor Hovland like a top-ranked player in the world now, too. It's like, you know, it's almost like yeah. a brotherhood, like a fraternity that he's a part of now. That's the Rory Rom. We we got to include Hovland in that group now as well as a FedEx Cup champion. Um, fellas, my last thing with this BMW PGA Championship is what do you think of Luke Donald's strategy of basically forcing these European guys to play this week? I, I think a lot of them would have played anyways, but he wants his team to, you know, get some competition under their belt before the Ryder Cup, something that the U.S. side probably isn't going to do. This is, for however long, has been an extremely prestigious event on the European Tour, DP World Tour now. Yeah, I do believe all these guys would have played anyway. But, yes, they, they need the, the repetitions for sure. Because you go back to it, going back to the Tour, some of these guys haven't played since the Tour Championship. 
And so that would have been a month stretch without competitive golf. Someone like Rory and Lowry played last week in the Irish Open, and, and all these guys playing this week, I think, is, is really good. We have a couple guys, Homa and JT, are playing over the Fortnite championship. But I think, too, if you try to play somewhere in the United States and fly over to Rome and get used to it, because I know that they a lot of the American side went over this last week was getting some, some reps in, so that's good to see. But, yeah, it's, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how at least the bottom half of this uh, European side does. Because if one of those guys goes out and wins, it gets them some confidence going into Rome. I mean, I think then also, like I said, I'm looking at John Rahm because if he can get his drive figured out and he comes out and wins this tournament by four or five shots, like he has the talent to do, then the United States is in big trouble because that's one of the few shining lights is that the guy who was playing some of the best golf the game has ever seen six or seven months ago has started to cool off a little bit. If he starts to get a chip fire again, Woody, the Americans are going to be uh, very short-sighted for sure. Yeah, well, if I, guys, if we had something, you know, like Bay Hill being played here right now instead of Fortnite, I think you'd see a lot of our Ryder Cup guys playing it too. Um, I agree with what Luke Donald's doing, though, because it, there's nothing worse to me than having a big, big event and you don't get your mind off of it. That's all you think about. It's all you think about. It's all you think about. I think it would be behoove us if we had some guys playing at Fortnite besides just JT and Homa. I like Luke's decision. The more we sit here and talk, guys, everything the Europeans are doing right now is scaring me to death because they are they are prepping and doing. I don't know. This it, it, battle could get ugly. Is what I'm afraid. No doubt. And there's no live events, by the way, for Kepka before the Ryder Cup either, so you won't see no. him in action till the Ryder Cup as well. It'll be interesting to see if some of these other PGA Tour guys do play. Like you said, uh, the Fortinet this week uh, in Napa, you do have Max Homa and Justin Thomas in the field. JT's not just playing to stay informed. JT is playing to try to get in those elevated events next year, the signature events as we're calling them now, because he was 71st on the list, and these players that did not finish in the top 70 will carry their points into these fall series events, and the top 10 from the points of the entire year, including these fall events, will get into those signature events next year. So JT will have to play in not just the Fortinet, but probably have to play in a few more of these fall events leading up to the actual schedule coming up at the century. So we'll have to keep an eye on how JT is doing and if he is going to finish in those top 10 guys that get into the signature events. Another guy vying for the same thing is Austin Eckrote, who finished 74th on that points list for the FedEx Cup. He is looking for the same thing as JT is to get in those signature events. Your top Five favorites for the Fortinet this week are Max Homa, Sahithi Gala, Steven Yeager, Justin Thomas, and Cam Davis. T-Dub, does your winner come out of those top five for the Fortinet? I hope for the American sake that it's Justin Thomas. That would be one of the best things that could possibly happen. I think it's going to happen No, He posted a video on Instagram the other day of him using training aids to try to work on his swing. He's using pool noodles, and he, he essentially looks like Tin Cup with all the gadgets that he has on trying to get it figured out. This dude is absolutely lost on his swing. And then, and the fact that he can't putt. So if that streak continues, I think it's going to be a downward spiral. So I hope that it's just Thomas or Max Homa who won here last year a, a proponent of Danny Willett's three putt from three feet. 
which is something that you have. I don't know if I've ever seen a guy do that to lose a tournament. We saw Scotty Scheffler four putt to still win the Masters by three shots a couple years ago. But uh, but no, I hadn't seen that happen. So maybe we'll see an exhilarating finish um, there. One thing I do want to note is I checked out the schedule, and there actually is a live event uh, in Chicago the week before the Ryder Cup. I'm not sure how I feel about Kepka having to play in Chicago and then fly over the next week. Luckily, it's going to start on a Friday, so that would be good. But getting on the ceremony and all that. So I guess it is a shining light, Woody, that Kepka will at least get another tournament under his belt because it doesn't look like much of the Americans will. No, they won't. And uh, this tournament is really going to be important this fortnight for, for JT at not too much home. I, I trust Homa. Homa's got a solid, really rock-solid game. This is going to be a big week for JT. I, I really am pulling for him to get get some kind of confidence going over there. And if he doesn't, well, you know, like we always said, Zach doesn't have to play. He picked him, but he doesn't have to play him that much. So I don't think the winners out of those five you talked about, though, Sam, because start of the fall series, we're going to have a lot of guys that we we don't even know their names probably, and they're going to come out of nowhere. And everybody's uh, – I know Adam had when wife wants him to leave and go because he's doing way too many dangerous house old chores. I saw him up on about a 30-foot ladder, and she said, we need to get a golf tournament quick before he kills himself. So uh, <laughs> I think you're going to see uh, some, some real fireworks this first event, but I don't think it's going to be out of the guys going to the Ryder Cup. Yeah, and also I should mention that Zach Johnson is playing in the Fortinet also, so I would assume that he'll have uh, a bunch of words with JT throughout the week and really be in his ear throughout the week trying to give him the confidence that he needs headed into the Ryder Cup. Uh, last thing on the Fortinet, a bunch of Oklahoma guys or guys with Oklahoma ties. You got, uh, obviously, Austin Eckroat. You have Sam Stevens, Alex Norin, and you have Robert Streb all in the field this week. If I'm missing one, I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, a bunch of guys with Oklahoma ties as well. Is Taylor Moore in this one, T-Dub? I don't see him on the list. Uh, nope. Just Ryan, just so. Ryan Moore, <laughs> but but anyways, those guys with Oklahoma ties definitely rooting for them in Napa. T Dub, did I miss anything today out of the storylines in the game of golf? A little lull here before we hit fireworks in Rome. Yes, it, it definitely is. Scrolling through here on the names of the fortnight, you have a uh, Kevin Tway, Max McGreevy are also in the field as well, so hopefully yep. they can have uh, some good finishes as well. Uh, the story we kind of highlighted earlier, Tiger actually showing up at a golf course, so that gives someone a little bit of shining light on maybe that he'll come back, something that uh, I know that all of us would absolutely love to see. And, yeah, we're just essentially on countdown for the Ryder Cup. We have, what, 17 days now, I believe, until the uh, first tee shot tee off over in Rome, so I cannot wait for it. We officially know who the teams are going to be. have a little bit of golf between now and then with the BMW at Whitworth. I mentioned earlier, one of my favorite golf courses in the entire world, so I cannot wait to see that. It was great golf. be fun, won't it, guys? I, I, one last little trivia thing. I don't know if you guys saw this. There was an article I read. Some gal made a hole-in-one in one of Mercedes, and then they wouldn't give it to her because they said she was a pro. And she said, yeah, I've played professional golf at 95 and 96 or 94 and 95. She played professional golf, not on the LPGA or anywhere else. She's had her amateur status over 15 years and now they're saying you can't have the car so of course she's suing them <laughs> i hope she wins rightfully so well, yeah that's yeah that, that that's kind of bogus because they said she signed a waiver 
saying she'd never played professional golf, which she had, but if she hadn't played for 15 years, I, I'm going to tell you, I bet you a judge will rule in her favor. I really think so. I think that the judge should definitely rule in her favor. We're pro giving the car away for a par three, uh, for a par three hole in one. I know the same thing I think happened to our man, Brad Dalkey in some tournament out at Oak tree. I, I don't think he ended up getting that, uh, getting that truck. Did he Woody? Do you know any background? No, on that? no, he did not, but that's a little different deal. That, that <laughs> one is, he was an know, actual I pro think, at the time. Yeah. He's an actual pro. And I think what said, you know, guys, when we play little tournaments together and everything else, I can't win one because they'll say he's a pro. Now, I'm no pro anymore, but they're going to tell me I'm a pro. So anytime I get You're a pro playing from those white tees, though, Woody. Well, yeah, I'm pretty dangerous from them white tees. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, when I get on those card threes and there's a, a something you can win, I, I almost hit it in a bunker on purpose so I just don't have to have the trauma <laughs> of knocking it in the hole. No doubt about it, fellas. Good show today. We will be back next week, and we'll be talking BMW PGA Championship. Enjoy the golf this weekend, everybody, and we'll also definitely go hit that follow button on Apple and Spotify. It'll give you a notification whenever we break down the U.S. squad coming up next week as we leave up to the Ryder Cup might have some special interviews next week as well in honor of the Ryder Cup T-Dub thank you Woody thank you this has been Sam Humphreys on the 73rd hole podcast the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma